This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And here we go. It's the panel part of the program. Every Friday we see familiar faces. Today is one such day. And joining us in the studio for topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. John Capobianco, Senior VP, Senior Partner, and National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon to you, John. Good to have you here. Michael Giles back with us. He's been in government 30 years, federally, provincially, and municipally. How's Michael? Very good, thank you. And David Sparrow, President of Actra National. That's the union representing performers across Canada. How's the Sparrow? Well, John, as a union thug, uh, it's lovely to take a, a moment away from my thuggery and to come in here and talk with a uh, balanced group of people about important issues. Of right. thugs. Well, you're, you're the unbalanced one, that is what you're saying. All right, listen, you know the thug thing. Doug Ford brought that up. He talked about it yesterday on this program, uh, right around this time when he weighed in on this walkout by students, and he really complained that the teachers' unions were the ones who were driving this agenda. They've kind of thrown down the gauntlet he said if they want to bring on a fight uh then we're going to stand up to them uh then we get word today 3475 teaching positions will be lost now through attrition is that tantamount to job loss per se they're just not being filled uh when they become vacant through retirement so on and so forth so let me ask that first around the horn so I understand uh, we can set sort of a frame of reference, Michael. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's if, if you're starting at one point and you end up removing jobs, even if it's by attrition, then you're going to have some impact. And 3,475 teachers is a considerable number of teachers. I mean, it really is over between now and 2022. And, uh, you know, I know it's about saving money and everything else, but at the end of the day, in four years from now, we'll have 3,475 teachers less than we have right now. Yeah, but... Enrollment's going down too. Well, it's 109,000 it's down. I mean, which is, you know, you look at the size of the school board in Toronto, it's not overly significant. So if we wanted to use that kind of math, okay, so let's have, uh, you know, uh, 1,400 teachers last. Well, you know what? There were 1,300 hired under the McGinn. uh, That's right. But I mean, I think there's new challenges in terms of education, and I think we need more teachers. Listen, the more teachers we have, frankly, from my perspective, the better. You know, we have a a, a new world, we have competitive economy, we have all this kind of stuff, we have teachers. You know, I I mean, uh, I I think, frankly, that uh, this is not the way to start. You know, know, again, talking to your point about him, you know, referring to it, uh, union thugs and talking about if they want to go to war and now you're talking about teach- this is not the way to start a collective bargaining process or any kind of negotiation with any organization is you know you start firing all these torpedoes all over the place and then you think you're going to be able to you know it's like throwing the hand grenade into the room and then saying okay let's sit down and talk right well at least it gets their attention it's like the old joke you know first you got to get their attention well okay uh <laughs> they that drew is- first blood on this uh yeah well oh who did the, the government, they're the, they're the ones who got into power, similar to the Mike Harris government, and said, let's blow up education and let's blow up uh, health care. Are not they sure blowing it up? Doing. Well, they're certainly... Uh, drawing, surgical drawing. reforms, aren't they surgical reforms? Well, uh, they're, they're, they're uh, kind of massive open wounds. Uh, that's uh, what they're certainly uh, trying to set us up for. You know, to your question, though, in terms of attrition, etc., the thing that I, uh, the people I feel sorry for are the thousands of young students currently in teaching programs across the province who are hoping to find jobs. You know, my uh, niece just found a job in teaching in New Zealand after graduating here, and then she has to work in New Zealand. That's unfortunate, but with 
with the idea that we're not going to hire 3,475 new, young, diverse teachers over the next uh, three years. That seems like a bad plan in terms of how to properly reflect society and build for the next generation. Well, okay, Uh, there might be a couple of responses to that. John, I'll let you have your say. Uh, I might just proffer that first and foremost. uh, What criteria did we use to evaluate teachers? It's based on seniority. Is that the right thing? You're the union guy. Well, the thing is, through attrition, you're going to lose these positions anyway. The real question is, are you going to replace them? And who are you going to replace them with? Well, hopefully Ontario educated, fantastic young teachers. I would hope so, too. But yeah. you know what? Uh, it may mean that the teacher that's been there 25 years just basically going through the motions is not as valuable in the system as your niece might and be. And there are some people like that. But, of course, I would say the vast majority of teachers, just like the vast majority of radio announcers, are fantastic people who put in their... Uh, <laughs> you don't know how misguided you sound right now. This one included. Yeah, you are so misguided. Uh, all right, John, weigh in on this one. Well, yeah, I think at the end of the day, look, they, the, the teachers' unions had 15 years of liberals and, and being in control. Uh, and, the la- and the last thing, you know, they, they've always had a very big bone to pick whenever conservatives come in power. Mike Harris, as, as David alluded to, because Dave, Mike Harris had the courage to do something about education. Uh, and Doug Ford has come in, and he has the courage to do something about education. At the end of the day, uh, I take him for his word. He's, he's not going to lay off any teachers. He, he's he's going to do it through attrition. And we've got to put this in perspective. The last decade, 13,000 more teachers were added along with 9,700 early childhood education workers at a time when enrollment has declined by 1%. So that was 11% increase in teaching staff whilst we were going down 1% in enrollment. So when you put it in context, uh, there are far more teachers and far more educational workers than there are students. And I think it's time to reevaluate that. And it's not to say that we're going to get rid of or have a fight with teachers. We never do. Everybody appreciates and values the work that teachers do, and this government's no exception to that. But there's got to be some hard choices to be made here. Uh, and if you've got that many teachers and the students are not enrolling, and, and quite frankly, the math grades are not, are not up to speed and not up to par, and, and, and the fact that Ontario has the lowest student-to-teacher ratio in Canada, all those things, John, mean that some tough decisions have to be made, and it's going to ruffle some feathers. And whose feathers are they going to ruffle? The unions. Yeah. You know, when you, you cite the numbers, the percentages that grew in terms of the teachers during the uh, McGinty win years. Now we're talking about out of 115,000 teachers across the province, a reduction of 3%. So the net is, uh, the net effect is that there's still more teachers than there were maybe at the uh, turn of the eaves to McGinty government. But let me get back to where you were saying, uh, you know, we need to prioritize and the government is, and they're going to put 5% more money, they say, into the STEM courses, you know, sciences, technology, engineering, and math. To your point that, you know, math is one area that uh, has become very contentious because we see the scores for the grade six with the EQA tests, uh, 49% can only meet the standard versus, uh, and Doug Ford says, you know, we're preparing them for jobs after they graduate. Uh, Is that an important thing to prioritize, David Sparrow? Well, a- absolutely. So no one's going to speak against the idea of, of STEM programs uh, being uh, better supported and in terms of uh, people's education. I think that when you uh, start to look at some of the other things that may be lost that I've heard you speaking about earlier today, things like technical programs, etc., we need people who are going to take on uh, technical jobs in society. And if they're not going to get trained in auto mechanics and refrigeration and carpentry and all those great things uh, beginning in school, if we're not going to train up uh, artists and, and musicians, etc., as you've uh, already alluded to, then uh, we're not going to meet all of the various job strata that that our society is going to uh, require. 
it's it's a it's an interesting thing. It's like I use math all the time, but and and I'm relatively good at it. I think I could pass a basic grade eight test. The question is whether I would remember quadratic equations and slope of a line and all the <laughs> intense uh, trigonometry that I had to learn in high school. And uh, so, I, I'm not sure how many jobs call upon those extra. Um, all right, you're telling us that you know this mandated uh, teacher uh, a test to uh, qualify in math. I don't even know what the test will be all about, and they haven't specified yet. I mean, how uh, difficult the standard will be. But let me just get to Michael here on this matter that you uh, raise. You know, the the full broad cu- curriculum because it rounds out the individual versus you know being narrow focused on STEM because Doug's made that the priority, saying you know preparing people for the real world and jobs out there. I mean, if it's done at the expense of things like well, there's no band uh, or there's not these other electives. Uh, can you understand, you know, with limited resources, those are the priorities. Well, I understand. And, and I, you know, I would not say that I wouldn't prioritize STEM. I mean, I understand, you know, I was never very great, good at math. I think it was that they say grade nine math was the best three years of my life. But, <laughs> but the point is that uh, I think STEM is important, but I think all the other aspects of education are important as well. It's not, we don't just, you know, the education system, yes, one of its priorities is to train people so that they're coming out of there and they're going to be able to get jobs. But it's more than that. It's also about, you know, training people in terms of education their minds so that they can actually innovate. They can think outside the box. They can, you know, they, it's not just learning uh, a road of here, you know, as long as you know the times tables, you're great. It's also about teaching people to think so they can innovate. And I think that's a broader education is that kind of thing. STEM absolutely is important. And I think we've been going there for, for a number of years now. I mean, look at the post-secondary education institutions around us. They're, they're all, you know, the massive STEM programs now. Toronto District School Board has done that. Catholic School Board, they've done that. But having said that, you know, I don't believe that, you know, you get rid of band and all this kind of stuff because it's all part of a well-rounded education and you train people for, you know, not just, you know, a job, but for life and to learn and to innovate and all that kind of thing, because that's, I think, is, you know, as part as part of an education as anything else. So you think the Ford government's going to compromise the overall quality of education? Well, I think the, not necessarily with respect perhaps to STEM, where they're going to put the focus, but in terms of a well-rounded education, yeah, I think you need to uh, fund those things. And I think they need to be part of an education. But those things are actually curricular as well. I, I don't disagree with you, Michael, in the sense that, you know, there's a value to having those kind of courses. But I think if my daughter, who's in grade 11, uh, uh, you know, aces STEM, and I feel much more comfortable as a parent that she's going to be much more prepared to go into college, university, and beyond that. Uh, but if she wants to do dance, if she wants to do other stuff that are in schools or, or bands, there are extracurricular activities that she can easily take and, 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 and do. Um, you know, there's certain things, like, for instance, you know, the premier suggested that he was going to have, he was going to say that every kid has to do um, in high school take one online course per year you know there was a huge outcry on that well how, how many kids aren't on online and doing things now uh, so why not shift that and make it into a learning experience in some cases right so those are things that are are practical day-to-day stuff that kids can actually learn and do things that will benefit them down the road. All right. So Doug is a creative disruptor. And by the way, you know, if we do take dance and acting and all the rest out of the curriculum, that basically puts you out of work, Sparrow. <laughs> well, my friend. Um, <laughs> that's why you remember the, that's, the thuggery. As the head of ACTRA. That's why I suggest people take a class down at the Second City and learn their improv skills. <laughs> then they can pretend to be anything. Ding. There you go. Uh, first, open a line of dialogue. Give me a job description, and away we go. Let's come back. By the way, uh, more cuts are foreseen, but in a different ministry. Whether or not this is appropriate, we'll put to the panel in just moments. John Capabianco, Michael Giles, and David Sparrow on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.